0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. This time we're going to get right into the teaching of God's word this evening. And I want to share with you along the lines of receiving from God. We've been talking about staying in faith at a time like this, not being overwhelmed by fear. It's also important to learn how to receive from God so that we can experience the things that he has provided for us in the redemptive work of Christ. So we're going to look at James chapter 1 verses 5 through 8 but first let's pray father we thank you so much for the privilege of studying your word together we study it in the name of jesus and thank you for ears to hear it hearts to receive it minds that are open to it change us by it from glory to glory by your spirit and thank you dear father god conformance to the very image of jesus so that we might come that for which he has apprehended each and every one of us i thank you for anointing my lips of clay making them as the pen of a ready rider to proclaim truth with power and demonstration, penetrating our hearts and souls and challenging all of our lives. And Father, for it all, we give you all the praise that you deserve in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. There's a few things I want to share with you from these verses of Scripture. First and foremost is the fact that our Father is a giving God. He is a giving God who gives liberally, which means lavishly or generously in large amounts to anyone and everyone who asks. So what a wonderful reality to know that our God is a giving God who always gives every good and perfect gift from above. In the book of Psalms 84 and verse 11, we are told that our God is a sun and shield who gives grace and glory and no good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. So just think about the sun being up there, pouring itself out, giving all of its energy. Why? To help and aid human life. Well, God is the same way. He never stops giving. He's always in the giving mode Giving of himself completely and totally to all mankind. And he gives to all men generously. He's a generous God. Number two, the second thing we want to see is that God has revealed to us that what he gives must be received by faith. We must receive by faith the things that God has given us. And that faith has to be an unwavering faith. And that means it has to be steady. Steady decisive faith not vacillating between two opinions not being tossed to and fro on our mental faculties but focusing in on what the word teaches us and by faith grabbing a hold of the anchor for our soul and saying this is what god says and this is the way it needs to be and so it takes unwavering faith to receive from god so whatever it is that jesus acquired for us in his work of redemption it takes faith to activate it in our lives thirdly it's important to know that there's a difference between getting something and receiving something for example you can go to the store to get something and it took a lot of effort on your part just to be able to do that and in these days it's a blessing just to be able to do that but receiving something would be like this someone comes and brings something to your door and offers it to you and hands it over to you you did nothing to get it You just received it. Well, faith is the same way. When we receive from God by faith, that implies we're not doing anything. He did it all. All that he did for us, we just receive it. We just accept it graciously and thank him for it. So we're not doing it by works. We're not getting it by works. It's not based on our performance. It's based on what Jesus did. So whatever he did for us, we accept that and we receive that. By faith, knowing that God is generous and he gives to all of us. No one is left out. Now, just to prove the point. In John's gospel, chapter 1 and verse 12, we know that God gave us Jesus because God gave his only begotten son. But now notice here in John 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Notice. It's up to us to receive him as our savior. The others rejected him. The Jewish people rejected him. But others received him. Because they believed. And so once again, what God gave, we must believe. And receive. So we believe that Jesus is the savior of the world. And we receive him as our Lord and savior. Look in Acts chapter 19. Verses 1 and 2. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth. Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Notice he didn't say, did God give you the Holy Ghost since you believe? Have you received? The responsibility is on the individual to receive what God has given. God gave us the Holy Ghost. He was given on the day of Pentecost. They said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. So he couldn't have received him. But as you go on and read those scriptures, you find out that Paul prayed for them and they received the Holy Ghost. So we receive Jesus as our Savior. We receive the Holy Ghost. And look at this one in Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 24. What things, therefore I say unto you, what things, soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Notice what things. So whatever the things are that God has provided for us, all we have to do is believe that we receive them and we shall have them. So notice once again, we must receive what God has given. Look, it's here in Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. He that spared not his only son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also, now notice, freely give us all things. It's never the giver, it's always the receiver. We have to become better receivers of the things that God has given. God's a perfect giver. Every good and perfect gift has come from above. But it's up to us to receive what God has given to us. And he gave us all things because he gave us Jesus. Another verse that clarifies that. Look at 2 Peter in chapter 1. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given, past tense, he's given us what? All things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. So we have a revelation of here. In Christ, God has already given us all things that pertain to life on planet earth and godliness. It's already ours. It's been given to us. But we've got to receive those things by faith. By acting on the word. Finding out what it says. Declaring them to be true in our life. And that includes anything and everything that he's provided for us. Remember that verse in James chapter one, verse seventeen? Verse sixteen actually says it this way Don't be in error, my beloved brethren. Don't be deceived. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is a giving God. He gives liberally, lavishly, generously, in a large way, to anyone and everyone who asks. But we're told you must ask in faith without wavering and receive the things that God has given. So I'd like to share with you this evening some steps to receiving from God. And once again, this is not a formula. These are principles that we could look to and apply in our lives just to help us develop a stronger life of faith. So we're to put them in a certain order so that we could better understand how we can apply them in our lives. Number one, the first step. Is we need to decide what it is that we want from God. What is it that we want? In Mark's gospel chapter 10. And look at verse 51. And Jesus answered and said unto him. This is the blind man. Blind Bartimaeus. What will thou that I should do unto thee? Notice. And the blind man said unto him. Lord that I may receive my sight. Now why did Jesus ask a blind man what he wanted? Because Jesus wanted to make sure that what he wanted was his sight. He could have asked for strength, peace, financial assistance, for someone to help a friend, a family member. He could have asked many other things. But Jesus wanted to make sure that he was decisive in what he wanted. And so he asked him, what is it that you want that I can do for you? And he said that I would receive my sight. And of course, you know, the end of the story, the man received his sight. It was granted to him. Number two, second point, we need to find scriptures that really support our desire or whatever it is that we want from God. You know, the scriptures tell us if we ask not, then we have not. So we have to understand that it's our responsibility to ask God for what it is that we want. But what we ask for must be based upon scripture revealed to us as the will of God for our lives. So look at book of Psalms. Chapter 103, the 103rd Psalm. Begin at verse 1 and notice this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. All his benefits. Well, what are they, Lord? A benefit is a condition of a contract. It's something that belongs to you by negotiation. Two people came together as different parties and they negotiated certain terms and they came up with a contract that says these benefits belong to you. And so here they are, their benefits. And I believe it was God the Father, God the Son, got to the negotiating table, and this is what they decided. Who forgives all thine iniquities? Thank God he forgives all our iniquities. But it doesn't stop there. Who healeth all thy diseases? There was a time years ago when I first came to Christ, and I was teaching a Bible study in my parents' home. And during that time, I was talking about the subject of divine healing and health and how we can receive healing from the Lord. And one fellow who was notorious for always bucking what was being taught and always standing up and being vocal against it, said to me, you can't believe that God heals all uh, everybody's sickness and and so on. And so being young in the Lord myself, I just said, Lord, you you need to show me, show me in scripture where we can receive healing no matter who we are. And he took me to this verse in Psalms. Who forgives all our sins. I went back the next week and I showed this to the man who forgives all our sins. And I said, do you believe that? He said, absolutely. He forgives all our sins. I said, what about the next part of the verse that says, and heals all our diseases? He had no answer. Why is it so easy to believe that God forgives all our sins, but so hard to believe that he heals all our diseases? That settled it for me once and for all, whether I ever receive it or not. It is the will of God for us to be well and to be whole and divinely protected. Here in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 12, is a very important scripture. Because it teaches us the integrity of God. Then said the Lord unto me, thou hast well seen, for I will hasten or watch over my word to perform it. He performs his word. When Jesus withstood the devil in the wilderness temptation, he declared, it is written, it is written, it is written, and the enemy had nothing against him. He could not counteract that. So it's important we understand that when we find scriptures that support our cause or whatever it is that we're asking him for, that's exactly what God wants us to do. Like you said this, Lord, you forgive all my sins, so I'm believing I receive forgiveness for my sin. And you heal all my disease, so I believe I receive healing for the disease. But now, this is also important. We need to ask him for what we want. What is it that we want? The blind man wanted to see. He wanted his sight, and that's what he got. We might want to say this. I want protection from COVID-19. I want divine protection from that. Now, they're circulating among a lot of believers, the 91st Psalm. And that's a wonderful psalm of divine protection, that says, "No evil shall befall me, or any plague can nigh my dwelling." And just as the Israelites of old painted the doorposts and lintel of their house red with the blood of the lamb, so they could be divinely protected. We too can believe to be divinely protected. But you know what? If we don't ask, how are we going to have it? So it's important that if we want protection, we should ask for protection. How many have taken that step, that measure? Father, I'm asking you everywhere I go today for divine protection from COVID-19. It will not come nigh my dwelling or my children. You make hard the bars of my gates and and you protect my family from within. It's okay for us to say that. I look to you for divine protection. Now, we could take every natural means possible. Do everything we possibly can. Keep our distance away from other people, etc., etc. But it's also important to know that. If we ask him for divine protection, he will provide it. But then again, it might be that we need healing from it. Someone might have it that you might know of. It's also important that we learn how to apply the principles of God's word and say, I believe I receive healing because you said you heal all my diseases. You said by his stripes, I am healed. You said your words are life to me and held to all my flesh. So yes, I could take medicine in a natural But also I could take supernatural medicine, for his word is a medicine or health to all of our flesh. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 and verse 20. Also in the book of Jeremiah 30 and 17, I'll restore health unto thee and heal thee of thy wounds. These are wonderful scriptures that we can find and apply them to our lives, believing that God is watching over his word to make it good on our behalf. If you recall the centurion who came to Jesus after the man was healed of leprosy and said, my servant is sick, lying at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the man said, no, Lord, that's not necessary. I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. You speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Jesus marveled at what he said. And said, my goodness, I've not found this kind of faith in all of Israel. For many are to come, that children of the kingdom, from all directions round right about. Some of them are going to be pretty sad as far as their end is concerned. He said, but you know what, buddy? Your faith is great. I've not found so great faith. Be it unto you according to your word. All he knew was that if Jesus spoke the word, his servant would be healed. That's a powerful faith. Jesus complimented his faith he called it great faith and praise God a miracle occurred so it's important that we understand that we're not acting on impulse we're not stepping into darkness we have a foundation under us and that foundation is found on the word of God and the redemptive work of Christ he became the curse for us on Calvary's tree he bore our sin sickness carried our pains became our mental anguish as well as delivering us from all the work of the enemy we have a right to rise up. As Jesus said about the woman that was bowed over for 18 years. Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham be loose from this bond. Whom Satan bound all these 18 years on the Sabbath day. So you could see God's position. When Jesus was on earth he healed so many people. We're told the world, the universe could not contain the books if everything he did was written. These things were written for you and for me to understand and know the heart of God. And Jesus was so moved with compassion that everywhere he went, everywhere, they brought him all sick folk, and he healed them all. Why? Compassion. Not to show he was the son of God, but compassion. And he set him free. So it's important that we study the scriptures, find out what they say. So number one, decide what you want from God. Do you want protection from COVID-19? Ask him for protection. This is what I want. This is what I'm looking for. My family, myself, my person, my family protected from this secondly find scriptures that support your right to have that psalm 91 the psalm of protection and other scriptures as well but then number three important step meditate on those scriptures take the time to mull over them why faith is a product of the heart not of the head Thank God we can learn intellectually the word of God. But faith is not a mental force. Faith is a spiritual force. And to get it from here down to here takes meditation. Look in the book of Joshua chapter 1 and verse 18. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then... Thou shalt have good success. Notice what he's saying here. Meditation is the key to becoming a doer of the word of God. Meditating it day and night does something within the heart of an individual that allows the word of God to become a dominant force in his spirit or in his heart, in his life. And as a result, you act upon that word that you've meditated upon and it leads you down the path to success. There's another verse in uh, Psalms 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in the season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Basically, he is saying the same thing. Our delight is to be in the word of God. Now, you might say, well, how is it I can meditate and get so full of the Word of God? Well, let's look at it this way. It's easy to turn on your television and listen to all the newscasters and their reports. It's easy to be full of fear when you hear all the negativity that's just basically being uh, produced by media. And if that's all we listen to, that's what we're going to be filled with and full of. But if we, on purpose, make ourselves meditate the Word of God By day and night, and that's talking about meditation within. You can walk around your house, you could even be at work, and you could think about and meditate on the word of God. Well, everybody's talking about what's going on, the crisis that's going on, and everything. And we're not denying that it's true. We understand that people are doing what they can about it, but we could also say, "But thank God, we've got a wonderful God who has made provision for us so that no plague can come nigh our dwelling." Thank God he'll protect us and keep us safe. Why is it that it seems like people of faith are looked down upon? As if there's something wrong with us. Why just use one means, a natural means? Why just use a second means, the medical means? Why not use the third as well? Let's use all the forces that we possibly can to overcome any sickness or any disease. You know, we're all fighting the same thing. There's the fight against cancer. There's the fight against heart disease. And the list goes on and on. Why is it called a fight? Because it's nothing good. We fight against it. We stand against it. We don't want to give place to it. Well, thank God he's given us even greater ammunition to use against the enemy. And that is our faith in what Jesus did for us upon Calvary's cross. With his stripes, we were healed. So meditation moves the word that we learn intellectually into our heart so that it becomes a living force in our lives. Thank God that we can do that through meditation. Now, number four, come boldly before the throne of god this is where our petitions are presented before god you know back in the old covenant they had no access to the very throne of god the holiest place of all only the high priest could go in once a year and not without blood he had to go into the high high holy place with the proper sacrifice otherwise it wouldn't be too good for him well That was proving to us that the way into the holiest place of all was not open to anyone else. Only the high priest once a year. You know what? God has called us to fellowship based on relationship. He wants us to be intimate with him. He's made a way for that temple curtain to be torn from top to bottom. So we can enter into the holiest place of all. Not by our performance, not by our works, but because of what Jesus has done for us. Look at the book of Hebrews chapter 4, and this is what we understand. Our representation is not self. Our representation is Christ, our high priest. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. What an invitation. Never before was man invited to go to that place until Christ. That we may obtain mercy to things and find grace to help in time of need. So therefore, as believers washed in the blood of the lamb, we have a right to go to the throne of God and petition him. Notice the first thing is for mercy. Mercy is not giving us what we deserve. We may deserve punishment. We may deserve whatever God deems necessary for us because of maybe wrongdoing or sin. But thank God we don't need to be condemned. Thank God we could go there for mercy and not get what we deserve, but get what Christ deserved. You see, it's not about us. It's about him. And the only way to have boldness is to go there based on his achievements, his accomplishments, and not ours. But then grace, grace is God's operational power. So mercy, we're forgiven, but grace empowers us not to do it again. So two things are necessary in the life of a believer to be confident before God. Number one, mercy, and number two, grace. So thank God for his mercies that are renewed every morning, and we all need it because we're still living in these bodies of ours. And thank God for his grace, his power of operation that equips us, enables us to rise up above temptation and overcome every evil way. But then look in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and once again, powerful verses of Scripture that really reveal to us or teach us how to enter into the holiest place of all. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is a say, is flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with the true heart. In full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Notice the access that we have. The road that leads to the holiest place of God's presence is paved with the blood of Jesus Christ. The first verse before that uh, verse, it tells us in verse 18, where remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin. Where our sins are remitted, he remembers them no more. So therefore, the boldness that we have is knowing that by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are spotless. Thank God, whiter than snow because of his sacrifice. So we could boldly march right on into the throne of God. Having representation there for us. We could take our petition before the throne of God. And just say, Father, this is my desire. I taught this years ago. An individual had a sickness in his body. A disease in his body that was really troubling him. And I was teaching along these lines that that's where our prayers are answered. At the throne. And when you have yourself ready. Knowing that you've got scripture in your hand, in your heart, in your mouth. You go before the throne by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not based on you or me. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. There's a clear conscience because of what Jesus has done. And ask him for what you want. The following week he came back to church and said, I did exactly what you said. And I got healed by the power of God as a result. So once again, we have access to the throne of God. Let's avail ourselves and do exactly what he told us to do. Come boldly without guilt, doubt, condemnation. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Number five. Enter with thanksgiving. A thankful heart is absolutely essential to getting God's attention. In the book of Psalms 100, look at verse four. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. If we're talking about healing, Jehovah Rapha, I bless you your name. Jesus, your name is above every other name. Enter with thanksgiving. Enter with praise. Praise him and thank him for who he is and all that he has done. And once again, you see, when we worship and praise him in that manner, we get his attention. We see that throughout scripture. When people came to him, bowed down before him, they got his attention. The leper came to him, bowed down and worshiped him, and he got healed of leprosy. The Sour Phoenician woman did the same thing. She got his attention by bowing down and worshiping him. And of course, her daughter had a demon cast out of her and got her life back. So we see this is essential. This is key. He doesn't want us to go there complaining. He wants us to go there with joy in our hearts, with thanksgiving. Why? Because our circumstances are perfect? No, absolutely not. Because he's perfect. And because we have access And we can rejoice in knowing he's already made provision for us. So we're going with a thankful heart. He's on our side and he's greater in us than he that's in the world. If he be for us, who could be against us? And so we go there with this assurance and we thank him even in advance. Number six, we must ask according to God's word. The way he asks us to pray. Look at John's gospel, chapter 16, verse 24. Notice what it says. Hitherto, or up until now... Have you asked nothing in my name? Here's a transition that's going to take place. They played to, prayed to Yahweh. They prayed to God back in the old covenant. But now he's saying this. This is the new way under the new covenant that you are going to pray. You've asked nothing in my name. Ask now and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So he's asked us to ask in his name. You see, it's the name of Jesus that gives us access to the throne of God. It's the name of Jesus that gets the Father's attention. Because when we use that name, what we're saying is, I identify with him. I am in him. I'm a child of God in him. It's not based on me. It's based on him and what he has done. And so thank God we have the Father's attention as a result. So if I'm asking the Father to do something, I'm saying, Father, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus to protect my family and me from COVID-19. And I'm thanking you for it. Look at the next one, 1 John five fourteen and 15. Here's what they say. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've desired of him. Powerful scriptures. We're asking according to the will of God. What's the will of God? We go to the word of God. We find out what it says. That is the will of God for our lives. He's not willing one person should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that gives us faith to ask God for salvation for people. And so, his will is for salvation. But salvation is all-inclusive. It's not just to be saved from sin. It's also to be preserved, healed, made whole, delivered. All those are included in our redemptive package. And so we can go there. We can ask according to the will of God. Knowing that he hears us and that we have the petition we desired of him. If you recall Jesus, when he stood at the grave site of Lazarus and said, roll away the stone, what did he say? Father, I thank you that you heard me. He knew the father heard him. So he knew he had the petition he desired of him. And what happened? A man who was dead for four days beginning to decay comes out of the tomb, raised up from the dead. It's important that we understand that we ask according to God's will, knowing that He heard us, then we know we have it. That's the confidence we have. Look at uh, Mark eleven twenty four through twenty six. In verse twenty four, He tells us, "Whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them." But verse twenty five says, "And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any." That your father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive. Neither will your father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. So what is this saying to us? If we're going to ask the father. We have to ask according to his will or his word. And his word says ask the father in the name of Jesus. The word says ask according to his will knowing that he heard you. And then thirdly we ask with a clean heart. No bitterness. No unforgiveness. No animosity, no strife, no division. Make sure the heart is clear and clean from all that debris that can stop our faith from working. And so, that's number six. Number seven, back to Mark eleven twenty four. Look at what that verse says again. Therefore, I say unto you, Jesus' teaching, and the therefore is based on Mark eleven twenty three, which is the law of faith. This is the prayer of faith. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray... Believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Notice the principle here. I've got to believe I receive it before I can experience it, is basically what he is saying. I like to say it this way. I think it helps us better understand it better. If you ask God for something, believe you receive it in its invisible form, and you'll have it in its physical or natural form. So the first thing is to say, Father, I'm asking you for this in the name of Jesus. I believe I receive it. And even though I don't see it, I believe I receive it. In its invisible form, I have received it. And I'm going to continue thanking him for it. If I ask for healing, I believe I receive healing. I'm thanking you for healing. Even though it hasn't materialized yet, I believe I have received it. Praise God. And as a result, he says, it will then manifest or it will appear at some point. So we're to stay in faith until that manifests in our lives. And sometimes that's where the struggle really is. To maintain that focus that I'm in faith. I believe I have received something and therefore I have it. And I guarantee you, once your faith antenna goes up. If you remember Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, Luke 8, Matthew 13. The sower and the seed that Jesus taught immediately comes the devil to steal the seed that was sown in a person's life. He's going to come. He saw your faith antenna go up. You believe you received something, whether it's healing, finances, protection, or whatever it might be. You believe you received that. You believe you have that as a result of your faith. And he's going to come and target your life to see to it. He gets you out of faith into the emotional, mental realm. Why? He doesn't want your faith to work. So it's important we understand that as we pray the prayer of faith, we become a target for the enemy who will definitely try to get us out of the realm of faith. Which brings me to my next point. Point number eight. Resist contradictory thoughts and suggestions that come our way by the enemy. We have to resist them. Don't let them dominate our minds or our thinking. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5. through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Talking about spiritual warfare now. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Notice the language that is here. Here we have a definition of our spiritual warfare. It's not dealing with bombs and grenades and that sort of thing. It's dealing with thoughts, imaginations, and strongholds. Where do thoughts come from? The enemy can implant thoughts in our mind. You turn on your television and you hear all the negativity that's going on out there produces thoughts in our minds. If we dwell on those thoughts, it can become an image. Someone has an image of defeat, an image of failure. Thoughts produce imaginations, produce strongholds where a person's thinking is just overtaken and overwhelmed by enemy forces. The stronghold is right here between the ears. So it's important we understand the need for us to renew our minds to what God said and be as Jesus was before the enemy. It is written and be stubborn as he was before the enemy. Every time he tried to get him out of that realm of faith, he kept on saying it is written, physical, it is written. Mental. It is written. Spiritual. All three realms the devil tried to get Jesus to buckle under his pressure. But Jesus refused to do, to do so. So it's important that we understand that and stay against, stand against any thought or imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, I have a testimony along this line that I like to share. Many of you know it. Maybe many of you don't know it. But when I was at school at Rama in Tulsa, Oklahoma... It was a difficult challenge in my life, like everybody else who was there. Well, I was at a place where I was down to $2 left in my name. It was a Sunday afternoon, and I needed $200 to pay my rent by Thursday. So from Sunday to Thursday, I had to have $200. I had never asked God for anything like that. I had a good job before I left to go to school. And as far as I was concerned, he sent me down there. He's going to supply my need. But I have to admit to you on that day when I needed that money, I had some doubt. And I'm the kind of person that wants to pay my bills on time. I don't want to bring reproach to the gospel or to the school or anything like that by not being able to pay my rent. So I'm playing ball with my daughter in the courtyard of the uh, development where we were living at the apartment complex. And all of a sudden, while we're playing catch with this ball, I hear these words in my spirit. You have to believe you receive those $200 before you can see those $200 just like you do with healing. And that hit me. I understood the healing part. You have to believe you receive healing before you can have healing or see healing. But I didn't understand the financial part. A little bit different for me. And I said, oh, like a light bulb went on. I said, oh, I see it. In other words, I got to believe I received $200 before it will materialize. And that's exactly what the Spirit of God said to me. So I said, okay. See, sometimes we think we got to put a lot of hard work into this. If you just hear from God, I'll tell you what. You're most of the way there right now. And so I said, okay, Father. I need $200 to pay my rent. It's due Thursday. I believe on this day, Sunday, I believe I received $200. I'm asking you for $200. I believe I received $200 and I'm thanking you for $200. I never thought anything of it, just kept on thanking him all that night. Went to school the next morning, got up, got to school at 8 o'clock in the morning. You go to noon, and on the way home, I would go by my mailbox or a bunch of mailboxes that were there. And as I was walking by, I heard another voice. You know, the enemy has a voice too, and says, you don't really think you're going to get that $200, do you? You better check your mailbox and find out if there's any money there, Because you know what? You're not going to get that money. And for a moment, I went to go toward it. Then I stopped and said, wait a minute. I recognize that. Why would I be looking for something I already have? I believe I have received $200. And I thank you, Father, for it. So I'll check my mail when I want to. Not when you put pressure on me to do so. This happened every day for four days. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then on that Thursday, it was due that afternoon, same thing happened, but I just stood there and said, I'm still not going to go until I'm ready to go. I thank God I've received $200, I have $200, and I praise God for the $200, and then I went and finally got uh, to the mailbox, opened up the mailbox, and got some envelopes, and there was one envelope that came from Youngstown, Ohio, which is where I lived, and it was from people that were at a church that that I attended before I came, or before I went to Tulsa, and... I opened it up, and as I opened it up, I began to read. And at the very top, it just says, we don't know why we are sending you this check for $200. But on Sunday, the Lord spoke to our hearts to send this check to you. We don't know if you even need it, but use it any way you want to. They didn't know that I was in need to pay my rent. They had no clue, no idea whatsoever. But notice it was the very moment I prayed. On that Sunday, the Lord spoke to them to send a check for $200. And it took about three to four days just to get from Youngstown in those days to Tulsa. Right on time. I walked over to the lady that was uh, sitting in the offices. I handed her a check for $200. And she just snapped it out of my hand like as if it was common. And I just looked at her in my own thinking. I just said... Ma'am, you have no idea. That came in on angels' wings. It was faith that brought that. And that's how the Lord showed me. You gotta believe you receive before you can have it. It's that simple, but yet we make it so complex. Why? Because worry gets in, fear gets in, frustration gets in, and all that. The enemy gets in. Try to tell us you're not gonna get it, you're not gonna get it, you're not gonna get it. Look, check yourself, see yourself, you're not healed. All those things detract from our faith life. Peter walking on the water was walking in a miracle until he was distracted by... Look at the wind, the wave, and the sea, and all that. And he began to sink. And Jesus said, that's little faith. So it's important that we stay in faith, operate in faith, and stand against all the thoughts coming against our mind that the enemy is sure to bring our way. Number nine, and there's one more and we'll close. Number nine, Mark eleven twenty three, that wonderful scripture. You cannot talk about faith and receiving from God... Without this wonderful verse of scripture. It's called the law of faith. Jesus cursed a fig tree. The fig tree died by the root. If people were there probably today. That were intellectual people. And they saw him talking to a tree. They would think he's a lunatic. But Jesus spoke to a tree. And said that, that tree no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. The next day when they went by that tree. It was dried up by the roots. Withered away and died. Peter, was. A, he marveled at what he saw and said, Lord, look at the tree you cursed. Cursed means to speak against. Jesus spoke against that living thing. He gave it a command and it died. No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. He marveled at it. And Jesus said to him these words. For verily I say unto you that whosoever, are you a whosoever? Are we whosoever's? Sure we are. Shall say to this mountain. Be thou removed. And be thou cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart. There's where the unwavering part comes in. But shall believe. Shall believe what? Lord shall believe what? Shall believe that God's big. He didn't say that. Shall believe that God's mighty. He didn't say that. That God's awesome. He didn't say that. Shall believe. That whatsoever he saith Shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. What is he challenging us with? you got to believe in your heart that what you say with your mouth will come to pass. And so when you believe in your heart and say with your mouth, I ask the Father to defend and protect me from COVID-19. I've asked him to defend and protect my children from COVID-19. I believe, praise God, he is at work protecting every single one of us from it. In Jesus' mighty name, I believe those words I'm saying are coming to pass and it's set in motion spiritual laws. That's what he's telling us. It's profound, I understand that. It seems too simple to be true. But I believe he meant it. And everywhere Jesus talked about faith, you know what he said? Say that that sycamine tree be plucked up by the root, planted in the sea, and it will obey you. And then in Matthew 17 and verse 20, he tells us this powerful verse of scripture. If you believe that what you say from your heart With your mouth will come to pass. You'll have it and nothing will be impossible unto you. What a verse of scripture. Nothing will be impossible to you. Amazing. Well, it's important to stay in faith. Understand that our words are powerful. And number 10, continue in faith, patience, and praise. Look in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12. Continue in faith, patience, and praise. It's through faith and patience we inherit promises. Notice this. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience. Patience, what does that imply? It doesn't happen all the time instantly. But through faith and patience, endurance. In other words, standing against the onslaught of the enemy and contradictory circumstances. Inherit the promises. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, which is what you've already done. Following these nine steps. You might inherit or receive the promise. And that's what we want. And then the next one, Psalm 118, verse 21, one that I really love. Powerful verse. I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me. Like Jesus said, I know that you heard me. And you've become my salvation, my protection, my healing, my deliverance. You've become my financier, my provider. You've become anything and everything you said you are to me. Thank you, Father. These are 10 Simple steps, once again, not formulas, but just principles that we can use in our lives to see that when we go to God in prayer, that we're praying the way he wants us to pray. That our faith is in action the way it needs to be. Now, in conclusion, nothing is more important than to understand that a strong faith life is the results of having a close, intimate, personal walk with God. See, faith is born out of that intimacy. When God speaks to us and says something specifically to us, we have a foundation for faith, and he'll bring it to pass. So true faith is born out of this close relationship that we have with the living God. And we're to be rooted and grounded in Christ, in love, and faith, knowing all that he's done for us is ours for the receiving. Let's receive together all that belongs to us. Praise God.